Hi, this is Ben Bova. I've written a lot of science fiction, and I think that I've devoted my life to trying to understand the opportunities and the dangers of the future. And if you listen to Sci-Fi Saturday Night, you'll begin to understand a lot of that, too. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess and take it to be guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. From the side door of the Farco Brothers Telekinetic Water Reclamation Facility, directly behind the occasional tar pit leak suppression system in the Area 51 food court, it's once again clickbait for the years. Welcome to TalkCast 386, this edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tonight, with absolutely nothing whatsoever to say about the current state of my cold, I'm your host, the guy with the air conditioning system that only works in the winter, the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, some of the rest of the gang, in the Peabody Time Tunnel, sitting at the Sci-Fi Saturday Night Help Desk and Gaming Pavilion. It's our own taciturn technical trouble wrangler, Kriana. <laughs> Lovely sound. And she's back in the Dank Dungeons Autonomic Due Date Stamping Service, found behind the covert entrance to the Jumbo, Elliot, and Barry External Watch Winding Service at Cyborg University's Advanced Studies Library in Piscataway, New Zealand, Welcome, Zombrarian. I was muted. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Good evening. This is Skype 101. (laughs) I'm your host, the Zombrarian. (laughs) You click the little button and then, then you talk. First one, then the other. But that's okay. How have you been? Me? Yeah. I mean, I'm good. Good. I was sad last week. Why were you sad last week? Because I only had one day off, so we couldn't go to your house and blow stuff up. Yeah, to celebrate the birth of our nation. I know it's it's fire and destruction, as is tradition. Yeah, I mean, when you guys come over and we blow shit up, it's really fun. But we gets really mad though. Oh, it really is. Yeah, it was also 100 degrees that night, so maybe. Maybe not. When better to set things on fire. Yeah, that's that's true. And, and of course, our, our friends, uh, our neighbors who are also unfortunate or fortunately state police usually sit and watch us do it, which is even funnier. Well, anyway. it's still in your state. Yeah, it is, which is, which is also kind of cool. Yep. So anyhow, uh, we were supposed to have a show last night, but uh, last week, but the guest never showed up. And and everybody was sick. You you had like a migraine and, and and Java was gone and Java's not even here tonight. But the one thing that we wanted to do last week that we didn't do last week, but we're gonna do tonight after we talk to our guest, is talk about uh the death of uh one of 
uh, the friends of the show who we never thought we were actually going to get on Harlan Ellison, who, who died a week and a half ago of natural causes or contrariness, whichever you'd prefer. Um, Harlan was kind of an outspoken guy and he, he was very nice to us on the show. We'll talk about that after we, after we talk to our guests tonight. And there were supposed to be two guests tonight. And again, one of them has failed to show up. Josh Dahl and Laura Burl were supposed to be here tonight to talk about skies over superior. And Josh, who's been on the show two other times is evidently out getting his car washed or something. And couldn't make the show tonight. So joining us is the artist for Skies Over Superior, Laura Burrell. Laura, welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, and you're at a disadvantage here, and we will take full advantage of that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I first found out about uh, Skies Over Superior, which is a, a new comic book arc that Josh has been writing, I guess, for about the past year. Uh, I found out about it at Plastic City Comic Con earlier this year when he came running up and he goes, you got to see this. <laughs> <laughs> and he showed me about 10 pages of artwork for it. And I just kind of went, well, this is like incredibly different from anything you've ever done before. Who did the artwork? And he went, well, Laura Burl did it. How did, how did you and Josh get together for this project? <laughs> um, I moved to Boston last August and knew no one, but saw a meetup group for a comic book creation club. And I presented myself and brought my sketchbook. And Josh looked through my work and said, hey, you want to draw my comic book? I was like, sure, why not? <laughs> that easy, huh? that easy i'm going to provide the uh link to the listeners uh to instagram your instagram uh feed so that they can take a look at uh some of your uh your back work you have really an interesting style it's kind of like um uh it's hard to put it into words it's kind of like <laughs> hyper realism in, in a lot of degrees in that, in that there's a lot of very specific, very intense, very deep stuff in, in, in certain areas of the artwork that draws you right to it. Uh, the first thing that got to me, to be honest with you, was the, the original cover, which is uh, the main character, and I've lost her name for just a moment. I call her Mary Lee, and Josh calls her Merrily. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there, there's no Y in there. So it's actually merrily, uh, <laughs> <laughs> whatever I'm from the South. So nah. <laughs> not a problem. Uh, merrily fight standing on the ice of Lake Superior with her guitar. Um, so, and, and it's, and you've got the Northern lights in the background reflected in the ice. That's just a marvelously wonderful piece of work. And it was very eye catching. Thank you. I I, uh, I like it too. <laughs> <laughs> so where did where did you start uh, putting your art out there? When did that start happening for you? I have always drawn and always wanted it to be out there, and I've done various small weird side projects for friends. Um, 
I did some LP inserts. I did some animated music videos. Made some other uh, just comic books for fun for me. And um, I'm actually a classically trained painter, so illustration is kind of new for me. Um, but Instagram was a nice platform. I can just doodle and flick it up there without any, without much thought and seem to have a warm response, learning my hashtags. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, you've, you've got a wide range of, of photography and, uh, interesting video and, and line art and, and full out uh full out renderings that uh and, and i guess uh what what caught my i know what caught my eye about this cover but what caught my eye on your instagram is that you haven't really settled into one niche you're kind of doing a little bit of whatever wherever it takes you Right. It takes you to some very interesting places. Yeah. When I was being trained, I was at the very tail end of, you know, when you had to choose one specific area in school. Like, you could either be a painter, or you could be a photographer, or you could be a sculptor, or, or, or. And then that shifted into a inter interdisciplinary approach, where they wanted you to be able to do anything and everything and to only use whatever medium the idea called for so wow yeah it's it was fun it's it's a nice it was a nice training experience because i got the best of both worlds i think yeah but i mean at the same time you're doing that you're also doing uh some very weird and funny animation yeah i, I especially liked <laughs> the letter song Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was a commission. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of figured that it was as, you know, learned heating and, and uh, eating repair and air conditioning systems was. Yeah. Okay. So I, uh, my last professional job was for a college and I would just do whatever they needed me to do. But a really, I don't know, touching anecdote about that letter song, uh, the paralegal department was having trouble getting their their students to know how to write a proper business letter, which is kind of sad, but you know, there was maybe a 50% pass rate on that particular quiz, but Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the teacher, she was, um, she was a old school New York city girl and she wrote that little jingle and I commissioned a friend to arrange, perform and record it. And then I animated over that. And, you know, now the kids, now it's a hundred percent pass rate for that ridiculous little bit of knowledge they need to have. No, but it reminded me a little bit of like schoolhouse rock. Yeah. It's yeah. very twisted. Yeah. It's very twisted. And, and I like that a lot. And, and there's, there's, uh, I, I, I take this as in the way that it's intended, but there is a real edge to a lot of what you do that kind of identifies it as, as you yeah um, i i like a bit of the non sequitur i like a bit of the deranged um i don't like it to be completely straightforward <laughs> yeah 
there's a wonderful uh, picture in Instagram of a line drawing of a cat with a, with a bunny rabbit in its mouth. Yeah. <laughs> really adorable music video if, if you ever get a, a chance to watch it. It's about a cat who loses her love object in the uh, in a storm and has to go out and rescue it. It's very sweet. <laughs> I, I I just love the, the the drawing itself. I just kind of went, that's really odd, but it's really <laughs> nice. Um, so you got together with Josh at one of these kind of Al-Anon meetings for cartoonists and, and, and writers <laughs> where everybody gets together and goes, Hey, I've got an idea. Anybody interested in it? And right. so you, you two sat down and said, yeah, let's try this. And what kind of a, a, a work process was it for you? How did it go for you? Josh is very permissive. I got the script. I drew the first six pages I asked a bunch of questions, um, mainly about um, nonverbal cues between the characters because I wanted to depict them, you know, visually accurately. Uh, like, you know, what's uh, the main character's relationship to her mom? What's how does she feel about the death of her father? How does her mom feel about the death of her father? How do the what's the relationship between the mom and the daughter and the uncle and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and you know, just got a big, got a feel for that and hopped on my computer and started doodling away. Part of, part of the uh, challenge for you is uh, the setting, I think, yeah. or at least yeah. I thought, which is Lake Superior in the winter. Yeah. Uh, and, and filled with monsters, which I'm guessing you weren't given a lot of direction with either. There's a monster. No, so uh, I actually got more feedback on the monsters than any of the other characters because I started drawing them in a more traditional giant trollish type yeah. uh, design. And he was like, no, 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 let's throw in some animal heads. No, 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 more animal heads. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe don't give it armor, like just strap some old boats to it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> So the, uh, they're really fun monsters. Uh, when I eventually get to draw them in the comic, I think those are going to be the most exciting panels for me. And then, and then for some reason, and I don't know if you can even address this, but as, as part of the, the package on Kickstarter, for this, there are five original songs. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you have any idea how that came into being? Yeah. So, oh, cool. I'm asking all the right questions. Right. Yeah, yeah. This is fun. Uh, part of the story is that Marilee finds her dad's old guitar and finds some of his recordings right. that he made with his brother. And Josh had not written that song. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, in my music video and uh, other video projects, I I have some really good friends that are monstrously talented musicians. So we commissioned uh, the amazing Rickolas to write, compose, perform, and record a song. And the, the song is integral to this story. It focuses on a, a, I guess it's a 
Lake Superior, Michigan area folktale about a mother bear and her two cubs and how they try to cross a body of water and don't make it. Um, and I knew Rick could do a really great job and I knew he could do it fast. And yeah, Josh said he was moved to tears when he heard that song. Nice. And yeah. there's, there's actually a portion of that song on the Kickstarter page. That is correct. Uh, that's uh, what song is that? Sewn into, right. into bone. Yeah. And there, there are actually five songs as part of the package. Yes. And five covers for the songs that you've drawn. Or will draw. <laughs> or, or will draw as the case may be. Yes. Which leads me to the next question, because the Kickstarter is coming to, uh, well, it's got 19 days left to go, so you got a little time left. Yeah, yeah. But you're very close to the goal already with 19 days to go. Yeah, it's tremendously um, exciting. Yeah. Yeah, when, when, when it happens like that, it is very exciting. So do you feel any pressure now that the Kickstarter is up, running, and doing well? No, I don't, because the majority of the work is, all, is already done. I uh, just have to finish off the lettering and the actual pages, and the comic itself will be ready to hit the press. Um, and that's maybe a couple hours more worth of work. And the covers themselves, the single pieces... Uh, I'll just have fun making those. Now, I should really ask you the questions I was going to ask Josh, but that wouldn't be fair. <laughs> I mean, you can try. <laughs> you know, Josh, this is so different from any other work you've ever done. Where did this story come? There's no way you're going to be able to deal with yeah. that. <laughs> could try my Josh voice impersonation. Uh, well, you've got to go really gravelly. It's good. You know, whatever. I'm uh, really exuberant. <laughs> Yeah. So the one thing that, that I can tell you uh, about this project that pertains to you is how impressed I am by the artwork itself. Uh, and for the listeners, when this goes up, they're going to be able to see the, the artwork for the cover yeah. uh, so that they can for themselves understand uh, what really, really interesting work this is. And, and what a fine, fine job we've gotten through to this point. And how interesting and inventive Laura Beryl is. Laura, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I really appreciate you coming by. Thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, stopping by. <laughs> and, you know, stop at the coffee bar on the way out. There's complimentary coffee <laughs> and, and cakes. And meanwhile... Uh, while we're doing this, uh, we're going to do a little bit of news. Kriana, can For we legal purposes, I have to state that there is actually no coffee or cakes and that we don't actually have a building. Oh, damn. Okay. But there. Yeah, I know. Which is unfortunate, but if we did, we, we, it would be nice to have that. Yes, our pretend cakes and coffee are really awesome looking. <laughs> Everyone says so. I would think so, yeah. Eight years ago, uh, at, at a time during the show when we had 
Nothing better to was, do. There, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, you. a little bit. We had a much better show back then. Uh, and Illustrator wow. X and the Dead Redhead mm-hmm. were, were part Sorry of the broadcast that. team, as such as it was. Um, we would sit around and go, you know who'd be really fun to get? And we'd make jokes about it. And in making jokes about it, we got guys like Spider Robinson and Ben Bova on. Uh, and then one day I jokingly said, here's one guy we'll never get, Harlan Ellison. And which is a lie because it was actually fairly early on in our infancy. I think I got t- him. Or No. Uh, no, I got Spider at least. You got Spider and X got him because Dead Redhead had a hook to it which which was talking about Fritz Leiber. Mm, that's right. And uh, June eighth, twenty ten. Uh, after much behind-the-scenes wrangling, uh, which, if you've heard any rumor about... All the rumors the, are true. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're absolutely all true. Uh, and it was, it was uh, a forest fire to get him onto the show. And, and yet, uh, once the red light went on and the microphones got turned on, he was... Uh, a very interesting guy, and we tried to talk uh, and just kind of... Yeah, you know, yeah, Domi tried to talk, but all that came out sh- was a stutter. Sh- schmooze with him a little bit. Can you play the first clip there? Sure. Maybe. Yes. Do you know where to get into this, or should I just begin rambling, and at some point you'll have a question to ask? Ramble on, sir. I- <laughs> it's like... He just wanted to do this and get over it. And once I realized that, and, and once we realized that, we would like to throw softballs out and just let him talk for a little bit. Uh, can we skip to the technology rant? Which is... Uh, you know, number. you take all this time to give me these clips. We put know, them in I order. And, I've just and then you're like, before. you know what? Yeah, Fuck it. I- <laughs> And so one suggests to anybody with one of those funny little handheld objects that reduces Lawrence of Arabia to the size of a uh, peach chip, and they tell you how much, how wonderful it is for you, and you say, oh yes, here's a film that was made to be seen sitting in a theater five miles long, and I'm going to do it while I'm eating potato chips and picking my nose and look at, and look at, you know, O'Toole racing across nowhere. Fuck it. Oh, I'm not allowed to say that. Okay. You can say anything. So we can you say anything on here. On us today. Well, I only know two bad words, and I try not to use those. One of them is Nixon, and the other one, and I ain't talking about the co-star of Sex in the City, too. Uh, I'm, and, and, the, and the other one is, is one very soft kind of glottal word, like a, like a piece of rabid weasel meat. It's, the word is sailor palin. Yeah. So. Oh there, man, there was that was way back when Sarah Palin was a thing. Jesus. And and how many people remember Nixon? But you know, because we have our I own mean, version of I mean, I feel like now. Nixon is more memorable than. <laughs> yeah, that was right during the Sarah Palin thing, and we realized at that point. Hey, I can see Russia. No, I can't. Never mind. <laughs> no, no, I can't. And it was at that point we realized that we were going to get into a, a, a political rant and there was no way around it. And so we did. 
which means hit the next clip. Which one is the next one now? Nixon and Reagan. Okay. Oh, I was good. I was not only on Nixon's enemies list, I was on Reagan's uh, enemies list. Along with Pete. Oh, that was, that was wonderful. I mean, what a boob. What an absolute boob Reagan was. There's a quote from Reagan that I've got framed up here in the house. It says, um, says the, uh, the, uh, the, average, the average American is like the child in the family. Wow. Oh, wait, no. Uh, and then he also said, the state, oh, this was wonderful, just before he started the, the, uh, the campus riots, he said, the state of California has no business subsidizing intellectual curiosity. Yeah, so he went on, on, on a fun rant with that, and I, I'm just, in a way, sad, but in a way, happy that he's no longer around to see what's happening now, because... The rants would just be phenomenal at this point. Um, and we talked we talked about Fritz Leiber, and uh, somehow that morphed into uh, Kurt Vonnegut and and Spider Robinson. And he, he talked uh, with us about why his books aren't technically science fiction. See, that sounded like a cue for another thing, but I don't know which one to play anymore. Science fiction and genre. Okay, actually. It, it occurs sense. to me at this juncture in the conversation that there is a great tragedy in Fritz's life that made him, in many ways, a very melancholy man, very much mm. like, very much like Poe. Uh, and the tragedy is the same tragedy that poisoned Theodore Sturgeon's life, that Kurt Vonnegut was able to escape, that has always annoyed Bradbury and, and, and me. Fritz Leiber was not a science fiction writer. Mm. Fritz Leiber was simply a writer. Genre identification like science fiction, sci-fi, sort of sorcery, love novels, western novels, these are marketing considerations that bookstores used to use before they got co-opted by the web to separate the writing from the writing. So if they could hook you with Tolkien, mm -hmm. they would give you 500 more books that looked like Tolkien, and they were all stuck in fantasy. I was forever getting my books of television criticism stuck into the science fiction. Oh. People would buy the book and they'd be very pissed at me. Well, this is not science fiction. It's a subtle. Why, why is there a book? And they would take it back to the, board, to the borders. And the, and the borders would always say, oh, gee, we're awful sorry. He's the sci-fi guy. No, motherfucker, I'm not the sci-fi guy. <laughs> Yo, mama is the sci-fi guy. I got your sci-fi right here. Uh, I, I, I would get crazy about it. Now. I can't talk. I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about Fritz. Because Fritz got caught in that same mm. leaking net. Fritz was always better, more important, more universal in what he wrote about and who he wrote about than all the people who were writing science fiction. It was, uh, it was interesting, I think, to watch his flow where he started and where he ended with the, these wonderful rants. Um, I forgot about that one, and I just laughed so hard my headset fell off. Isn't it great? Isn't it wonderful? My God. Yeah. But, I mean, the best one is, is this, this next one, uh, because you have to realize that 
one of the things that Harlan, for all his sci-fi and all his uh, television criticism and all his, his, his wonderful stuff, he was kind of a Luddite for the most part. And he never used a computer. And he always used he always wrote on a typewriter. And this one starts out ranting about technology and somehow ends up with HP Lovecraft. Oh, you mean a clip. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe it's, I'm, I'm sitting up in my office and I got this this quote somewhere here and it's a great great Oh God, you're listening to this, listen to this. And I have no it was in the New Yorker and I'm gonna read it to you. This is a notorious. This is notoriously a time of crises, most of them false. And this was written before the internet. A crisis is a turning point, and the affairs of the world don't turn as radically or as often as the daily newspapers or the internet or Twitter would have us believe. Every so often, though, we're stopped dead by a crisis that we recognize at once as the genuine article. We recognize it not by its size. False crises can be made to look as big as real ones, but because in the course of it, for a measurable, anguished period, sometimes only minutes, sometimes hours, rarely as much as a day, nothing happens. I talked to you about, uh, I'm not quoting this, this is me saying, the death of John F. Kennedy, the Cuban mm -hmm. Missile Crisis. Uh, uh, these were all things that truly nothing happens. It is the moment of stasis between a deed that has been performed and must be responded to and the deed that will respond to it. At a false turning point, we nearly always know within limits what will happen next. At a true turning point, we not only know nothing, we know something much more extraordinary and more terrifying that nobody knows, truly nobody. This BP spill, the Internet has taken it out of that realm of limited data gathering where it was always funneled into either television or the radio or television which were which are you know handleable you can get your you can get your teeth around you can make an opinion now there are so many avenues of information misinformation wikipedia can't get my birth date straight they think i'm either 76 or 77 or 12 or 9 or whatever the fuck <laughs> they think i am and i keep telling people jesus folks Go out and buy an Encyclopedia Britannica. They look at me, what is it? I said, well, it was, <laughs> it was a book. It's, a, it's what Asimov called the perfect cassette because you can start it where you want, stop it when you want, run it backwards, run it forwards. You hear all the voices absolutely perfectly, they, and, and it looks exactly like you want it. Look, that's called a book. Uh, that's why movies. Somebody said to me, I'm doing my Abe Simpson now. Somebody said to me, what? Why shouldn't we go to these rotten movies with all the special effects and the explosions and girls looking up their thongs? Why don't we do that? And, uh, and they were talking about Lovecraft. Why have they never made a perfect Lovecraft? A good, a good Lovecraft. And then forget perfect, a good Lovecraft movie. In all these years, in 70 years, why? Because what Lovecraft described was unspeakable. That's right. You know? So, he was kind of an idiot. <laughs> listening to that over again damn talk about being yeah. too lazy to do research to see how reliable your sources are i mean very opinionated i mean no i mean just because the internet has more sources makes it bad i'm sorry that seems like a logical fallacy i, I think that would be a logical fallacy but i don't think that's what he said what he said is the, the level of misinformation 
has just grown and grown. No, and grown. I don't think so. Maybe he feels it has here, but there are plenty of places where the press, the TV, the radio is controlled by someone to deal 100% misinformation. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, it's really not different at all. He just doesn't like it. He just doesn't like it. And if he doesn't like it, you're going to hear about it. I mean, that was a profoundly ignorant and um, lazy, intellectually lazy comment that he made. Eh, I'm not sure I would go that far. Well, I mean, look, look, you can't. You can't, no one trusts Fox News, right? No one, no one 100% will ever tell you that what Fox News says is the literal truth all the time. Absolutely. Okay. News sources are inherently biased. Now, you can choose to just believe whatever the Encyclopedia Britannica or Fox News or CNN says, or if there's something that you think, hmm, there might be something more to this, you can go back and look at, you know, the original source of the information and decide for yourself. Are you going to do this about every single thing that you encounter during the day? Obviously not. But, like, try to think critically. And, and he's saying apparently that's, that's too much for him with the Internet. I don't think he said that that was too much for him. I think, I think what he was saying is that was too much for most people. Well, I, I think it is what he was saying because he never used the Internet. Hmm. Yeah, it was it was it was something that at seventy eight I don't think he was ever going to use either. Well, I mean there are plenty of seventy eight year olds that learn how to use the internet. Just ask Zombury and hear about her lovely ninety year old patron who is on a dating site. She's quite <laughs> the social butterfly. I well, it's no, it's I, not I, impossible. Gotta... I'm not I'm not saying that he couldn't. I, I'm saying that he profoundly didn't want to and not just out of sheer stubbornness and I think it diminished him as um, a human being I think you could be right I don't think I and I also want to thank you for making the age joke uh, the age comment without making it refer to me I appreciate that very much (laughs) I mean I feel like it was implied Mm -hmm, thank you I mean do I really have to say it every time now like you kind of do, so I, I'm kind of surprised that you didn't. I want to skip to the very last uh, the quote of his uh, because it was... Wait, wait. Number eight or number one? Number one. Look. Okay. Yeah, Sorry, is that, is that all? I, I'll play it or do you still have stuff to say? Haircuts. Well, no, I just, you know, there, w- there was a point during the show where he just kind of relaxed with this and, and this just kind of popped out. You are the weirdest people I've spoken to since my birthday two days ago. And, <laughs> and uh, I suppose we're, we, were, we were meant for each other, separated at birth early in the place to see. Go ahead, ask me what you wish to ask me. We were and I mean, I not don't separate at birth. We're just going <laughs> to throw that out there. I don't think he's ever said that during an interview. I've heard him say the exact opposite hundreds of times. So, you know, for me, in... in Going back and listening to an interview from nine years ago, um, it's become more legend than fact about how that interview occurred and the things that went on in it. No, 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 and no. I think we remember it perfectly. I, I just, I just think we we always remember more the things that were said off 
off of recording than the things that Maybe. were, that that were on. Correct. I think... Yeah, that I don't think we're exaggerating per se when we remember the experience because what what you're hearing right now and what actually happened, um, there there's a lot more to it and it wasn't all of the same jovial tone. No, it wasn't. But it was it was Harlan, and uh, he he was his own person for better or worse. Now wait a minute. I I had a thing for this. What did I say to you last week? Um. He was a guy. He wrote some books. I read some of them. Some of them were pretty good. Now he's dead. And he's gone. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. And, you know. Well, he uh, doesn't want anyone dies, really. I mean. Well, it's uh, nine out of ten people. Except Sarah Palin. Okay, fine. (laughs) Evidently. (laughs) I'll say that. I feel like he would appreciate that. So, anyhow, Harlan, thank you for, for this this memory and uh we appreciated you then we appreciate you now and that brings us to the end of another show oddly enough it's talkcast 386 and you've been listening to sci-fi saturday night uh somebody's going to be on next week i don't know who i don't know why i don't know how uh, I want to thank Laura Barrow for joining us tonight and Josh Dahl for throwing her to the wolves and making sure that she had to do this alone. And I'm sure we will hear from him uh, in the future. No, we're not going to do that. We're just going to move forward at this point. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Con, Keen Comic Con, Plastic City Comic Con, BooksandBooze.com, and ComicArtHouse.com. Take a moment to visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. If you have a free moment, take a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com, and the My Peculiar Family audiobook, available on Audible. Where else would you put it? August is going to be fairly peculiar. Stay tuned. More information coming. Our intro music production was provided by Rob Watts. More of his amazing stuff can be found at robwattsonline.com. Now with Hot Sauce. Our outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their grooves on lawrencemademecry.com. Many thanks to the gang from the Peabody Time Tunnel, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and the woman of word, Sombrarian. Thank you so much, ladies. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie, watch out for Harlan. Pain is, <laughs> shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Enjoy the chaos, folks. I know. <laughs>